Uh, let's go to the Word. Um, yeah, Amen. Let's uh, let's let's run over to Daniel. Let's start with Daniel today. Let's go over to Daniel chapter one. And uh, and if there's something that if there's something that I believe that the Lord wants you to to catch uh, over this next period. Uh, it relates to your call to royalty. It really does. It, it relates to it relates to your call to royalty uh, from above. Uh, and I, I want to just I want to say that the call to royalty from above is greater than earthly royalty. And, and I believe the Lord wants us to catch that. I, I think He was leading us into that. Uh, with four weeks of First John four eighteen, and uh, just talking about perfect love, and how that we are perfectly loved by Him, uh, that He is the fulfillment of so many of the passages that He's given us to understand love, to walk in love, to receive love. That it begins with him, and he is the model of it. When you think of First Corinthians 13, the love chapter, that's him, right? And so I think he was leading us into uh, uh, shaping, catching, connecting uh, with his heart that we are called to royalty. And as royalty, I know when I was growing up in church, we were given the impression to kind of shun the earth, because you're not of this earth, so you should shun the earth. But really, the true biblical emphasis is, is that you are to shun the earth system. That God brought or started or formed Adam in the earth, on the earth. But he formed Adam in the earth and on the earth as a type of heaven. Even the mountain of the Lord was replicated in Eden. But he started that genesis with Adam to be a type of heaven on this globe, a type of heaven on earth. So it's not that we shun the earth, we shun the earth system. We shun the world system. We are, and, and, and it's interesting, I think if we talked to Adam before he fell, he would have had a very similar confession that we have today out of Philippians 3, verse 20. It's affirmed out of Galatians 4. It's affirmed out of Hebrews 12. It's affirmed that we are citizens of heaven. I think the first Adam understood that as well. I think that he knew that since he was made in the image and the likeness of God, that he was actually communing with, connecting with, having fellowship with the Trinity. He was actually getting downloads of how to walk in victory and authority, dominion, blessing, prosperity, fruitfulness. He was getting those downloads from the Holy Spirit from the Trinity, right? Yes? So he was already experiencing First John 5, 4, whatever's born of God will overcome. So he already knew 
that it was it was the citizenship the kingdom the connection to heaven from whence he came and it was that system that derived his sonship and thus his status as one who was righteous before he fell he was righteous the covering over him which was the glory of god that accompanied his righteousness this is why in Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. Whom he justifies, he also glorifies. You're a glorified being already. You're not waiting to be glorified, though there's a greater glorification. When this mortality puts on immortality, then the glorification will be completed. But I am a foretaster right now of the glory of God. And I I don't live as a pauper. I don't live as a common one. I don't live as a low life. I don't live as an unredeemed one. I don't live as an unjustified one. I live as if I were the first Adam. Or I live as I just as if I were the last Adam. Because that's what the last Adam came to do. The last Adam came to restore us to God's original intent. And guess what? You aren't to shun the earth. The earth is yours. Psalm 115, the earth he has given to the sons of men. And you know who the chief son of man is? Jesus himself. He came and stripped himself of his divinity, took on humanity that he might become the chief, the supreme, the leader of humanity, and the fulfillment of Psalm 115, of the earth he has given it to the sons of men. This is why he's ruling right now, but he has to rule through somebody. This is why it was better. He said, it's better that I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you as one who is without an abiding presence. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's better that I go. Because he's raising up sons and daughters. And by the way, the status, the status of every believer in this room today. The status is royalty now. That's your status right now. Practice this over the next 21 days. I don't know if 21 works. When I was growing up, my dad said, if you do something 21 days, it makes a habit. I don't know. Maybe it does. I did a lot of things at least 21 days, and it made some good habits, right? But practice this over the next 21 days. If you have to write it on the mirror, if you have to write it on your hand, if you have to put it on your nightstand, if you have to put it in the cover of your Bible, if you have to, if you have to pack this Daniel Fast booklet around with you, whatever you have to do, when you wake up in the morning, start calling yourself royalty instead of lowly. Instead of lost, instead of a sinner, instead of a mess, instead of trouble, instead of rejected, instead of unloved, instead of discouraged, start calling yourself royalty. Because that's what Father has called you. How could Father call you anything other than he calls the Son, since you're hidden in him? 
since you're hidden in him. And when we look at Daniel, what we're looking at in Daniel, we're looking at the foretaste of those who entered into royalty. We're looking at one who lived as though they were royal, because it's interesting about Daniel, and we're told this in chapter 1, that he was of royalty. He was of a royal family. What if you came from a royal family? This, this, this was part of Jehovah Sneaky's trick when he raised Moses in royalty. So, the, so that he would know and understand what it feels like, what that environment is when you are one who is meant to rule. You are meant, you are a privileged one. And along with Pastor Joel, I don't know, some of you are newer with us, I don't know uh, what your eschatology is. Do you, do you even know how to say the word eschatology? I don't know what your eschatology is. Eschatology is your doctrine of what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what it is, but around here we believe Jesus is taking over the earth. We, we aren't afraid of the Antichrist because we're so fixed on the Supreme Christ. We think there is a one world government coming and Jesus is in charge. We aren't worried about the mark of the beast. We aren't worried about plastic money. We, we aren't worried about any of those things because the kingdom is growing and expanding. Isaiah 9-7 said, Of the increase of the kingdom of this Messiah, there will be no end. Matthew 13 says that the gospel will leaven the whole earth. Matthew 13 says that the tree of the kingdom is going to grow and all of the birds of the air are going to find their home in that kingdom. And we could just give you scripture after scripture after scripture that will wreck all of your bad eschatology. All of your nervous, Nelly, give up the earth, pray for the rapture eschatology. Please don't leave here thinking we don't believe in the rapture. We do believe in a rapture. We do believe in a coming of the Lord. We believe that we'll be caught up to meet with the Lord. But 1 Thessalonians 4 says he's bringing all the saints with him for a holy takeover. Read it again, you'll see. We're only being caught up at the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15. We're only being caught up so that we can be translated. Because he's on his way back here in 1 Thessalonians 4. He's not on his way to take us out for good. He's on his way to bring all the saints with him. That is a 30-second snippet on some of Dwayne's crazies. But this has been the historical biblical view until about 100 years ago. Study it and you'll see it. You don't need to be nervous. You need to be excited. The kingdom is growing. Jesus is taking over. Jesus is winning. And you are a part of that. And, and eschatology is important because if you don't shake some of the, if you don't shake some of this negative stuff off of you, you can't be the Daniel in your generation. God's calling you to be the Daniel in your generation. Daniel is in the book on purpose because here is a royal son who had an allegiance to Israel and to Jehovah and not to the nation he was called to serve in. His primary allegiance was first to Jehovah and to Israel. 
Therefore, he wouldn't mince words. He wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't lie. And he was so devoted to his God that it was more important that he heard from heaven than it was that he had meats, sweets, or wines. So he used dietary revision. He used the sanctification of a particular diet on purpose to keep his spirit man alive, to keep his soul revived and hearing well, to keep himself tuned into God, to keep himself in a place where he would hear well and be heard well. And this is, this is the call of royalty today. The call of royalty on us today is that we would be more connected to our citizenship, to our ambassadorship, to our royalty, to our divine calling in God than we would, than we would be with the world system. And if we'll do that, it's interesting. If we'll lose our life to that royalty, then we will gain, we will gain a royal placement in the earth. We'll have what happened with Daniel happen. He was esteemed at every realm. He was esteemed with every leader that came along. He was esteemed with Nebuchadnezzar and with Belshazzar and with Darius and with Cyrus. And he lives through all these kingdoms. And in every one of them, Daniel is used of God mightily. So it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I want to, again, it, it's interesting. I want to mess with your eschatology because if your eschatology is it's all going to hell in a handbasket, there's no use in polishing the brass on a sinking ship. It's going to get worse until the coming of the Lord. The Antichrist is going to take over the whole planet. If that's your eschatology, it's even hard for you to pray with a spirit of dominion. It's hard for you to exercise authority. It's hard for you to get stirred up thinking you can make a change when sovereign God already determined it's going down. So I want to challenge that view. And I want to encourage you to set it aside and work with the Holy Spirit. You don't know the timing of the coming of the Lord anyway. So what if the greatest revival, you that are rapture fixed, antichrist lovers, oh, I'm messing with you now. This isn't the sermon. I got 30 seconds left. You that are fixated, though, on everything getting worse, you don't, even if that were the case, and Duane is totally wrong, and historical Christianity is wrong, if, even if that were the case, you don't know the times or the seasons. Set it aside. Jesus said, I don't even know that day and that hour. So how could you? So therefore, what if God wants to bring forth the greatest revival ever. We've heard that. We've heard of a billion-soul harvest. Could you set aside your getting worse theology for a moment and let God be God and believe with the prophets for a billion-soul harvest? Would that be okay? Quit worrying about your credit cards and worrying about your money and the chip in somebody's hand or forehead. Quit reading all of that stuff. Throw it out with all the other junk you're going to throw out for the next 21 days and just read the Word. The Word will shed a lot of light on commentaries. 
Oh yeah, we've heard all of our lives, the commentaries will shed a lot of light on the word. Forget it. Just read the word. The word will shed a lot of light on commentaries. Read the word, church. Bask in the word. Meditate the word. And let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. You'll be blown away at what you learn if you just read the simplicity of the word. We're always wanting to hear what somebody else thought. What if they were deceived when they thought it? Wow. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, in the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, that's the one, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Verse 3, then the king ordered Aspenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence. Royal family. Did you see that? Did you see that part right there? Royal family. Speaking to you, you... They were good-looking, speaking to you, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding, discerning knowledge, had the ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed them for a daily ration of the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them... From the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned them new names. Now, this is, this is a picture of us wherever we find ourselves. Israel has sinned. They've been besieged, taken over by Babylon, and metaphorically, that's like the worst thing on the planet, right? Metaphorically, we know Babylon to be an anti-Christ environment, an anti-God environment. What if that's where God's calling you? What if that's where God's already called you, and you've been groaning, moaning, and complaining about it? What if you're royalty serving in an anti-Christ environment? Oh, no, Lord, I'm called, I'm called to something else, Lord. Really? Maybe not. Maybe you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And then you as royalty, not only that, but you're given opportunities that to you would compromise the voice of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the hearing and the being heard. It would compromise maybe your connection or relationship with God There's a drum set in the back. What's that, love? Sermon's over? Is that my cue to quit? Something out back? 
toddler room? Drum set in the toddler room? Where you got worship going in the toddler room? That's pretty loud. Wow, that's cool. Are you hearing what we're putting down? You are called to royalty. Daniel used his sanctified diet to hear and to be heard. To hear and to be heard. Immediately, it's interesting because he wouldn't compromise himself and he accepted the calling. Immediately, God begins to work. And God begins to work a holy setup that leads Daniel through three or four kings, the fourth of which is Cyrus, and God is actually working out a fulfillment of a restoration. God has something bigger in mind in your life. Did you know that? See, Israel goes into captivity, but Jeremiah had already prophesied the captivity would only be 70 years. You know, this morning we're singing the song, I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. It occurred to me that some of you might think, therefore, you don't have to do anything because you've come out of these sovereign, sovereignty of God environments. But that passage we're singing about is... Second Chronicles chapter 20. And a great army came against Israel, and they didn't know what in the world to do. So Jehoshaphat says, and he's the king, Jehoshaphat says, let's pray. Let's fast and pray and seek the Lord. And so they do, and then the prophets speak. And the prophets say, this is what the Lord says to do. Go out into battle, come into an array of battle, and put Judah out in front. And Judah will go forth in praise, and they will say, The Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. And as they sing that song, The Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever, then God will go before you and destroy the enemy, for the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't mean do nothing. It means fast and pray. It means seek the Lord. It means get a word from God. We need to hear, and then we need to be heard. There's so much to this, and, and there's so much in the power of what we're calling you to do, to sanctify your diet, to embrace simplicity, to open up your heart and mind, to intentionally seek him and pursue him, as Daniel did as a lifestyle, as a royal son connected more to heaven than he was to any kingdom he served in. He was a royal son who observed the... the, the, the the Jewish day started in the evening. So if you look at Daniel chapter 6, it was the evening, the morning, and the noon prayer call. If you look at Psalm 55, 17, same thing. It's the evening, the morning, and the afternoon prayer call. Three times a day, he would set his face toward the Lord. Well, yeah, I pray without ceasing. Yeah, but are those prayers worthwhile? I make love without ceasing. Pastor, what did that mean? No, there's sanctified. What that meant is there's sanctified 
There's sanctified romantic moments for me and that woman right there. And just because we're in the same room, even connecting over some little thing, doesn't mean that is valued as making love without ceasing. Connecting without ceasing. You with me? You're looking at me like uh, the deer looking at the headlights. I'm saying that the value of much of our prayer without ceasing lifestyle that we claim we have is about this big. Because it's trite and it's without depth and it's, it's without power. And yeah, we're connecting with the Holy Spirit because we're one with Him. But there's something special about an intimate, focused, purposeful morning, noon, and evening prayer time. And so part of, part of the value of this 21 days, part of the value of this 21 days that we're calling you to is that you embrace prayer during your mealtimes. That's what makes it special. That's what makes it a set-apart thing is that you embrace prayer. So I know for a family, for us, we've been you know, raising four kids for 30 years. So for us, what this looked like over the years was reading a devotion with the family or having a little extra prayer at the table or reading something out of the book uh, at the table and then for us, mom and dad, that looked like then going off into the office or the garage or somewhere else, a different place, and having some private time with the Lord. So for some of you, at noon, that means maybe you don't sit with the guys or the gals or go to the lunchroom. Maybe that means you go off to the car, you go to a place where you could walk, you get away somewhere so that you have an intentional, romantic, focused, intercessory, specific, powerful time with the Lord as a royal son or daughter, you embrace your kingdom call and your loyalty to the kingdom from above and you get into an intentional place where you can express that in prayer, prophecy, proclamation, listening well, interceding, actually being a power broker in the spirit during these 21 days intentionally so that you're not only Hearing well, but you're being heard. So that you're actually moving some mountains, not just your mountains, but kingdom mountains over these 21 days. You know, God, God needs you to move kingdom mountains. Did you know that? You are the mouth of Jesus. So if your mouth isn't working, his mouth isn't working. Did you know that? So that's, you know, Isaiah 62 even. Think of the value of Isaiah 62. You who are watchmen on the wall, Isaiah says, give me no rest until I establish Jerusalem and make her a praise in the earth. You are literally, you're connected not only to heavenly Jerusalem, but you're connected to the restoration of earthly Jerusalem. 
We are the mouthpiece of declaration, of prayer, of intercession, of tearing down the enemy's strongholds. We are the mouthpiece of Jesus in the earth, and he needs us to be supple, available, clay that's resilient, useful, and engaged until he wraps this thing up in Jesus. We never stop fighting. We never stop pushing. We never stop believing. We never stop praying. We never stop declaring. We never stop prophesying. We never stop interceding and have an open heart to hear what it is he's calling us to do. And so we have to weave that into the practice of what this looks like. A Daniel fast isn't going without food. If you're to go into a full fast, and you can, if you go into a full fast, then like when I do that, then I wouldn't even take my meals with the family. I might come in and have a cup of water or a cup of juice or a cup of whatever I'm doing. It was usually tomato juice, V8, right? Something with no sugar. Hang out with the family at the meal for five minutes, and I'd go off in the office, go somewhere and pray. You have to figure out how to make a Daniel fast work where you are actually out of chapter 10 of Daniel, but it starts in chapter 1. It's a lifestyle Daniel uses to keep his heart open, to hear well, and to be heard. You have to figure out how to weave that into a restricted diet of food and focus. For me, uh, for me as well, it means uh, 21 days of no country music. <laughs> Don't weep to me t- for me too bad. But you know, it, it means it means okay. These days are yours, Lord. You are. This is what Daniel would say when he was making this dietary sanctification, you are my meat, you are my sweets, you are my wine. That's what he was saying. But there's other distractions that pull us away. Praise team needs to come. We've gone way over. So praise team come forth. There's other distractions. So for Joel and I, we turn off talk radio, we turn off update radio and news radio and we restrict our facebook activity and we we just kind of we just kind of make some choices and decisions so for 21 days i spend a lot of time on the road i'm going to spend it in prayer i'm on the road i can pray in the spirit i can pray with understanding uh for me that's what we choose to do is we choose not only to make our meals a shifted, sanctified focus for the sake of soul and mind and declaration. Remember John chapter 4? Jesus goes to Samaria, and there he meets the woman at the well in Samaria. These are people that the Jews weren't supposed to hang out with. This was a lower class of people. But he begins to minister to this little lady, calling her into royalty. 
like dispensing a Gentile call of salvation to this little lady. But they hadn't eaten, and so they go into town, the disciples do, to get food, and they come back. And they're like, we got your food, Jesus. Are you hungry? And he's like, no, I kind of don't want it now. What? Did you already eat? Yes. My meat is to do the will of my Father. That's my meat. It's meat to me. I challenge you over the next 21 days, taste of the Lord in a richer way and see how good he is. Taste of the Lord in a greater way. Let's stand this morning. This is our prayer for you. This is our prayer for this body. That we would be so passionate that the Northwest would become a revival hub and a center of kingdom growth. That we would look at 9% of the population goes to church in the Northwest, Oregon and Washington, the most unchurched region in the nation. Pearson King County, right there with the most unchurched counties in the nation. That we would look at that and say, no, not in my county, not in my town, not in my city. I will not allow. I will not allow the atmosphere of my county and my city to be an atmosphere of unbelief. Hello, 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 hello. Well, yeah, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to move upon me so that I can act like that. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit's waiting for you to get wildly intentional about kingdom business. Oh, he's so excited that you would do something without a leading from him. Did you hear me? He's so excited that you would do something without a leading from him. He's so excited that you would use your brain, your passion, your desire, your pursuit. He's so excited that you would use what you want in this region and seize yourself. Take hold of yourself. That you would tear a hole in heaven. That you would tear a hole in heaven. That you would become irresistible to the Spirit. Irresistible, irresistible. I'm telling you, a little bit of fasting and prayer is irresistible to the Holy Spirit. It is the cologne that He cannot stay away from. It is the cologne that He cannot resist. It's telling him like nothing else that you are my number one. I look to you. I look to you. I look to you. You're my number one. You're the number one. You're the solution for our problems. Your revival in our churches. Your salvation to souls. You're the breakthrough in every realm. Your sanity to government. You're the, you are the sanctification of media. You are the one. You are the one. I want you to be at the head of every mountain and I want the righteous ones to lead every mountain, every sphere of culture. You won't starve. You won't die. I usually gain weight on the Daniel fast. You won't die. You'll be okay. You got something?
If you didn't sign up on the clipboard for the blog, uh, you know, we have a blog that comes out. So some of the devotion is in the booklet, and then you're seeing a link in the booklet to more stuff. Uh, so the reason for that is that you'll point your phone at it, and it'll lead you to the link to the blogs. And so we just want to populate your heart with goodness, with royalty, with who you're called to be, with what the church is called to be, what the kingdom is called to be. We want you so lifted into this high life, walking worthy to the great calling that you have in Jesus. You are a co-heir with Jesus, and the sons of God, the royalty of God, are led by the Spirit of God. And He's seeking to lead you moment by moment. Father, we thank you for this 21-day season right now. Would you just lift up your voice with mine? Lift up your voice with mine. Let's consecrate our hearts right now. Consecrate our hearts. Let's pray over the body that there would be a unity of heart. A unity of seizing this royal calling that we have in God, that there would be a unity, that God would command a blessing over us as we come together as royal sons and daughters. We declare this to be a sanctified season, this 21 days to be a sanctified pursuit of you, a sanctified setting apart other distractions, other things to purposely focus our heart, our mind, our prayer on you, Jesus. Oh, we welcome your Holy Spirit to lift us into the royalty we heard about today out of that scripture in Ezekiel, that you would lift us, that you would lift us, that you would lift us, that you would clothe us with royalty and that we would know of whom we are. We give you the praise for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, who's victorious in this place? We are partners in the victory of Jesus. Amen. Stop at the cafe and get a taste of Daniel Fast Food. We have two samples we're giving away this morning.